Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey, Get to Vet listeners, this is Mike. And now for my personal disclaimer, although I am active duty military, I'm not an official spokesperson of the United States Navy. Any of my views expressed on the Get the Vet podcast are based on my personal experience. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Get the Vet podcast. We have a, a, a great guest today. We chatted with her, uh, what was it, two weeks ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think this will be a good one, especially for female veterans, because she informed us about a lot of, of really good stuff that I didn't know about. And, you know, I've been working in the transition space for a couple of years now. And so I thought it was cool to learn something like that. So I'd like to welcome Krista Morris Turek. I said that right, right? Turek, you almost got it. Turek, <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It's new to me too. So I, I'm still perfecting that uh, hyphenated last name. <laughs> Yeah, but hey, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. And um, we'll let Krista, I, I, I think it's better to let them talk about themselves a little bit instead of me giving you the long spiel. So Krista, tell us a little bit about yourself. Awesome. Well, thanks, Trevor. And thanks, Mike, for letting me come on to your podcast. This is going to be a great morning. So um, I am transitioning out of the Navy right now, actually, after about 10 years of service. And I think that that's very scary for some people to think about doing, especially you know, a lot of people are like, ah, four years, I'm done, I'm good, I'm out, or a lot of people retire. But that, that group of people in the middle who choose to get out, um, it can be a scary time because it's leaving the civilian, you know, going to the civilian sector, I don't know anything about that. That, you know, I've spent my whole life, my whole adult career in the military. So it's learning a whole new set of roles, a whole new vernacular. It's, it's just really trying to put my experience into that civilian sector. So I think we were going to talk about that a little bit today. But I, I work with the CBs, so I'm a civil engineer, uh, done construction for the past yep, eight years or so, and um, just really looking to make a change into still be a, uh, you know, part of the construction industry in some way, shape, or form, and leverage what I've learned, the skills I've learned while in the military, um, you know, getting to lead groups of people from five to 100 at different times and working with, you know, different project sizes from very small, you know, $12,000 little bee huts we put up in the middle of Africa to $45 million medical clinics that I got to work on the design on um, overseas. So wide variety of stuff that I've gotten to do. It's been fantastic. Um, but, you know, just got married this year. It's another, another big turning point. So got married, getting out, you know, trying to learn all these different different things. And I was telling Trevor before we started, I, I can't sit still. I like to do a lot of things. So I decided over Christmas that we're going to, you know, paint our master bedroom and put up this beautiful accent wall and do all these projects because as an engineer, I'm always wanting to fix things and change things. So, um, you know, this is a, a, a crazy time right now, trying to keep busy and stay active. And I think that's why I'm so focused on my transition is because it keeps me motivated to move on to the next thing, even though 2020 has been just a crazy year for everyone. Yeah. I was going to say throw on top of all that, you know, it's 2020 and uh, <laughs> yeah. just makes it even crazier. Well, that's, <clears throat> so I was going to say, I guess you, you can't, because uh, you're, you're moving to North Carolina, right? Mm -hmm. That's correct. And you're in San Diego. So you can't, you know, say, Hey guys, uh, we got a new special project today. You're <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So it's been hard because you're, you're sitting in San Diego, which California has been locked down, you know, pretty hard over the past few weeks again. Uh, so you can't do much. I'm not in my new home, so I have nothing going on there. So I, I've spent a lot of time focusing on my job hunt and then transition. And so I guess that's been good. But while I'm in North Carolina for three weeks, I'm like, hey, we have to do all this stuff that I haven't been able to do. <laughs> Yeah. So what's, uh, I mean, for you, you know, Mike and I talk about this a lot. Um, and in the last conversation we had with you during your career, I thought this was really interesting. You know, you kind of didn't go the, the traditional route that so many people go in the military. And, and that was one of my, my big concerns. Um, 
you know, back in the day when EOD and uh, the SEALs and Diver, like they became their own specific mm-hmm. jobs instead of special programs, is that, you know, we were kind of worried about people becoming careerists. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, it used to be that those were the communities that you went to because you didn't care about like, oh, I don't care about making the next rank. I just want to go out and do good work. And I think there's still a lot of people in the community that are like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, we, you, you kind of told us a little bit about that. So could you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. So I chose, well, I volunteered for all the jobs that I found interesting or wanted to do, not really where I was supposed to go, supposed to go as a civil engineer. Um, and I think that floored a lot of senior officers that I didn't want to do that. Um, but I had fun and I enjoyed what I did in the military and it was challenging. It was very challenging. And it led me to a lot of great opportunities that had I not taken those roles, I wouldn't be where I'm at. So um, at the end of the day, I, you know, I am very happy with what path I took. Um, I'm choosing to leave. They're not forcing me to leave. However, they probably would in a few years because I didn't do everything I was supposed to do, but I think that's okay. And I think it's okay to say, I've seen people still be successful by not doing the normal career path. And that's okay. And if you want to stay, you may find a way to. So go for it. But um, it's also okay to do what you want to do. And I, I fully support that. Yeah, I think that part of your stories is the the part that's very commendable. I mean, you went to Ohio, or, uh, Iowa State, which is mm-hmm. obviously one of our becoming rivals at West Virginia University, because you all just... I'll go ahead and get our token curse word out. Y'all kick our ass every year. In football. football, We beat you in basketball. Yeah, we beat you in basketball. Man, y'all kick our ass in football, but especially this year. Yep. Um, But what's the – I'm unsure about – what's the uh, payback time for ROTC? Is it six or four? I can't remember. With the the academy, I think it's different. Yeah, I think it's four, four active, four reserves. However, I wasn't ROTC. I actually am the best kept secret in the Navy. Um, I did the bachelor degree completion program, which most people don't know exists, exists, the BDCP. It's for civil engineers and nuclear engineers. And essentially I was paid as an E5 to finish college with the commitment that I would go to officer candidate school when I was done. Um, and so that was four years active, four years reserved. And so my eight years of service means I can just part at this point, but uh, yeah, best kept secret in the Navy, got my school paid for, got to move on. So that, that part's awesome. I mean, you fulfilled <laughs> your, your obligation, your contract, mm-hmm. you went and did what you found to be your purpose. And we talked about that on a previous episode with John McCaskill mm-hmm. and how, once you transition, how key it is to find your purpose, because, you know, I, I grew up in the mid Ohio Valley in West Virginia and, and Trevor grew up in, in West Virginia as well. And we watch relatives and friends and family members just go and grind it out for decades. And then, you know, Trevor saw folks in the coal mines. I had distant family members that worked in the coal mines, you know, family members that worked at the plant, the factories, and, and they were just, they, they just come home miserable, you know? So I think it's really key that folks find, purpose and it seems like you found purpose in the navy you know paying back your time that you owed and you didn't do do course you know and it sounds hypocritical coming from especially someone like me as a command master chief who did you know color the dots on the way up the the ladder somewhat i i did what people asked me to do i think i don't think i ever set my sights on being a command master chief frankly had a well-respected mentor of mine not asked me at the time to submit my package I probably would have had a few choice words for anybody else who would have asked me to do it so I probably wouldn't have found myself exactly where I'm at right now but thanks to thanks to Pat I, I am where I am and I really appreciate that I was put on that path but it's a lot of you know circumstance that that caused me to get where I'm at so I wasn't necessarily the the one who who took the I don't think I really ever had a, uh, a career development board and I've, I've been on the other side of the table where I've been the facilitator of them, hundreds of them probably by this time. And, you know, it, it's key for folks to, to really do, to make up in their mind what, what is important for them? You know, is, is it, is it the family 
Is it the mission? You know, is it the career path? Is it the, you know, is it advancement? Is that, is that key to them? And, and it's, I think it's very commendable that you made that decision early on. That's what you wanted to do. And, and you, you pursued that and, and here you are at the next pivot and, and you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. I'll be honest. It was a lot of fun at the time. So, <laughs> do you think maybe just that kind of attitude is, is like, was a big confidence booster for you to be able to make that decision to get out? I think so. I, I usually just, once I have something in my mind, I go all at it. And so once in my mind, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm resigning and I'm going to move on and do something else. And this is the best for me. This is the best for my family. This is best for my future plans. I just went all in for it. And it, I think it surprised a lot of people um, because a lot people are invested in your careers in the military. That's what we do. That's, you know, we're interested, you know, intrusive leadership. We teach you to get involved with your people to learn about them, learn and, you know, help them grow. And so when you deviate from that, a lot, it surprises people because they've invested in you. And, and so the best thing though, has been those people that really did invest in me are still invested in me now and they still want me to succeed. And those are the really great leaders that I've worked for is they're still involved. And I've had a few people reach out to me and say, I love that you post on LinkedIn. I love that you do this because I'm following what you're doing. And when I retire, I'm going to go back and look at what you did or ask you for advice. So uh, it's, it's interesting how you're, the tables have turned and flipped a little bit and, but those same people are still invested in you. Well, that's good to hear. I was going to ask, like, did you have any apprehension? Like maybe you were going to feel like you were letting some of those people down um, yes. when, when you made that decision? Absolutely. And I have, because I'm um, I've been working with special forces over the past couple of years. Um, and I started a women's professional network when I was there to on the West coast to um, help promote, you know, women have feeling safe, feeling comfortable and helping them basically succeed working with special operations forces, working with Navy SEALs, EOD. Um, so we've established this pretty great group of, of women. And so I think that was the hardest thing for me to leave was I was one of the most senior people on in that group and organization. So a lot of junior enlisted sailors would come to me and ask me for help and ask me for advice um, to get through maybe something they experienced that they were struggling with. And so for me, that's the hardest thing to leave is because I felt like I was letting them down by not staying, not staying in, not continuing to, you know, maybe become a commanding officer someday um, and be able to help and spread that. And, and so there, there are times and there, I've, I'm pretty much over it at this point, but there have been times where I've been like, ah, I'm letting this whole group of people down. But at the end of the day, I had to do something for myself. And I hadn't been putting myself first for many years. Um, so I was able to get over that by saying, you have to put yourself first. Well, I think yeah. you can also, you, by doing what you're doing as well, you're blazing a path, a different one, that you mm-hmm. can also help those women as well, because they're going to eventually have to transition, yes. just like dinosaurs like me at the 30-year mark. <laughs> We're all going to have to eventually retire. It, you know, but it's, it's going to happen, retire or transition or, you know, resign your commission or eventually you know, not renew that contract, those folks are going to have to get out and they're going to seek, you know, folks like you who've gone before them. Just like, I mean, I'm in the nine month window right now. And you know who, who my mentor is through a lot of this? Trevor. You know who was Trevor's first chief in EOD? Me. So it's, See, you know, the table's turned. The table exactly. Turn. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, don't don't count yourself out as you mm-hmm. go down this next new path because I think your mentorship and leadership will be greatly uh, counted upon for those women as you you know assume this next role. Mm-hmm. And that's and, why and- I love I love what you guys are doing by having this opportunity to be on the podcast or write a blog or whatever it is because you're sharing those stories and those experiences already. So it's easier later when it comes down the road again. Yeah, I think and one of the things too. Sorry, Trevor. <laughs> oh, I think ahead. one of the things too at the at the ten year mark, especially for you, that I, I you know obviously we can't talk much about policy because we're active duty, but I think the blended retirement system is really given folks, especially mm-hmm. in your shoes, about the ten year mark. It's given them a great choice to off ramp and take take a, a, a large suitcase of cash if they're fiscally responsible. And just move on to the next thing. You know, I did a a grad school paper on the potential of some of this stuff and 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 retaining the talent. 
and I think uh, it, it's it's uh, it's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. People look at millennials, you know, and they and they say, well, they just move around and move around and move around. Well, the reason is, well, there's no pensions anymore. You have right. to find you know, the the military or or I think a lot of the even governments don't have it anymore. Uh, local governments. Uh, they've gotten away from it because they're just so expensive. You you sink a company by keep by retaining those pensions. That's why they got away from them. And so the loyalty is not there as much to stay at those companies. So you can just take that 401k when you walk out that exit door and go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, and that's what is kind of developed with the blended retirement system. And I think that's just going to make it even more difficult for folks or for for folks like the you know the leadership in the military uh, to retain talent over you know over the course of 20 to 30 years mm -hmm. i agree with you yeah go ahead trevor oh i was just going to say um you know that's what especially today like i know there there's a huge dynamic shift in in the workforce in the military too because uh you know jobs are are what they are they're they're getting more difficult and it's it's not wartime anymore um so the military can be a little bit more selective about that and i i was really this is one that caught me off guard when when mike was the command master chief at eod school we had a big working group down there so you had all these senior enlisted guys and one of the one like the first day there mike said hey you know go it's lunchtime go to the chow hall and have lunch with the students and so I went down and, you know, there's all these senior and master chiefs sitting down with the students and they're like, oh my God, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and, and I'm just talking to them. I'm like, Hey, how you doing? I'm, you know, um, and, uh, they're like, Oh, hello, senior chief. I'm like, Hey, you can call me Trevor. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm talking to these kids, these E2s and E3s and they're like, yeah, I got a bachelor's in electrical engineering. And I talked to this, uh, this uh, JG who's like, yeah, I just finished my PhD in theoretical physics. It's like, holy shit. Um, <laughs> you know, if you would have came into the chow hall when I was in EOD school, it would have been a bunch of guys been like, oh yeah, well, the judge told me I had to join the Navy or go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. so, you know, I, I just thought like, wow, that's, that's, you know, we're, we're, there's a significant difference and in, in the you know the talent mm -hmm. level and um i just i think that's that's pretty interesting too so one one thing i was going to ask you though that group that you started what's that called and and where can people find out about it oh the women's professional network it's um for naval special warfare on the west coast so uh naval special warfare group one uh it's kind of the echelon three umbrella and you know all the seal teams um log one is actually who i'm attached to it's logistics support unit one and we support, we farm out basically CBs, parachute riggers, corpsmen to go be with um, all the SEAL teams and the EOD teams. And um, so that's kind of where it originated at, is um, at that unit. And uh, everybody that's under the group one purview is, is invited to attend. So we get people, um, any women who's a part of like the SEAL teams or whatever can come over and attend. And, and they do it about, it's still, it's still ongoing. It goes about once a month. Um, passed it on to a few other people that I'm hoping continue it. And they're trying to make a charter and actually make it an official thing. So it's got a lot of support from leadership, which is fantastic. Um, there wasn't anything that really existed like that when I came on board a couple of years ago. And so it's, it's something everywhere I go, I just try to bring in a network of people for support. Well, that's all. I mean, that's, first of all, thank you for, you know, going above and beyond. Cause I think that's, that's something that, that I've always been concerned about, like from that careers perspective is people are just like, Oh, oh I'm out to, to, you know, get mine. And I, it's refreshing to me to see, you know, people today saying like, Hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go the extra mile. And cause that's kind of, you know, one of the big things that we talk about in the military is that, you know, that higher standard of leadership. And so I, I think that's awesome that you did that. You. And then, I also wanted to chat about, you know, something else that you kind of brought to light to, to me and Mike both, um, the, the Center for Women's Veterans through the VA. Um, that, that was an eye-opening experience. When you sent me that link, I went through and read that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I don't even remember. Of course, I went through TAP a few years ago, but I don't even remember them talking about that. So mm -hmm. could you maybe tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so TAPS, of course, is a fire hose of information. <laughs> There's so much you're never going to learn it all. I just stumbled 
upon this by kind of accident. It's a women's veteran transition training, WHTT, and the, the Veterans Health Association, BHA, puts on the training. They just started doing it virtually this year, actually. Um, so I think it was in person, and they only held it a couple times a year, and you had to be in a major you know, hub to even know it existed. And uh, so now that they've been able to go virtually with the training, they offer it almost once a day anywhere in the world. So you can get on and do the training. It's about three hours long. And it's just all the benefits that are offered to women getting out of the service. And I had, I had an idea because I'd done a lot of research and I talked to a lot of other females that had transitioned out and what their benefits were. But I had no idea some of the health benefits that were available to me after I leave the service. And even in the military, I've struggled with getting the healthcare that I wanted. And I think a lot of women could say the same, that it's not there. Um, it's been better since I've been in San Diego because there's this huge hospital and there's a lot more resources. But prior to that, I had no idea what I was doing. I wasn't getting you know routine checkups like I needed to because women have different needs than men. And so as I'm getting out and knowing and going through this training, I was just amazed at like what I can put on my VA claim. They went through a lot of different things like, hey, you're not a man you have a different need and here's some things maybe you haven't thought about that you need to think about as you're going through the process to claim for disability and just blew my mind. Some of the things that I, I never would have considered, um, you know, something as simple as hair loss. I wore my hair in a bun for, you know, 10 plus years and there's actually, it's disintegrating. You asked my hairstylist where I put my bun on my head. Um, things like that. I was like, what? That's, that's something I can write about. And they're like, yeah, well, if you have premature hair loss later in life could be contributed to your time in the service. Is that Crazy. something that I can claim too? Cause I actually <laughs> you should have Trevor because <laughs> you never know the stress you were undergoing, but uh, you know, it's just, it was so random, but beyond that, there's some really serious things to consider, you know, infertility after the military. And what are you going to do about that? Maybe that was contributed to something you were exposed to. I work construction exposed to a lot of different things and a lot of, you know, third world countries. Um, so when I'm, you know, get to that point in my life, it, if I'm having issues, it's something the VA can help you with. And I didn't realize that I was all there and even just maternity and care and, and a lot of things I, I just, it was a great three hours. I'm going to go through the training again, because I couldn't retain all the information. They do give you this giant handbook where you can go back and look it up later. And I've been going back to that many times as I'm going through my VA claim. <laughs> And I, I, I look through that too, just, I mean, because, you know, my other line of work that's um, working in financial services, like, I, I kind of feel like that's good for me to know about things like that. Cause then I can say, Hey, you're getting out of the military. Have you looked at this? And, and here's why this is important. Like, I think a lot of people downplay the importance of their VA disability. Mm-hmm. And that is a very, that can be a very costly mistake. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I, you know, whatever, I'm not going to be that person. And I'm like, it's, <laughs> yeah, you need to, to get your head set in the right place because it's not just the VA disability pay that you get. It's the, you know, medical care that that mm-hmm. qualifies you for afterwards. And there's a lot of state benefits that come with VA disability yes. ratings. Like, you know, in Virginia, where we're at, if you get 90% or higher, your kids can just about go to school for free in state. Wow. So, I mean, there's, there's tons of other ones. There's tax benefits too. Um, and, and so like, I, I kind of was really glad that you brought that to my attention because I'm like, okay. Uh, I, I went through that manual too. I kind of breezed through it. I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to email it to <laughs> the people. If, I, if I'm working with, with, uh, you know, female clients who are getting out of the military, I want to say, Hey, check this out, read through it. Here's this link to this website, go sign up for this course. So I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that to my attention. This is why we share. Yeah. And <laughs> share that, the knowledge. That's, that's kind of the whole point of, you know, it's, it's not just the get to vet podcast. It's the get to vet podcasting community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, cause you know, veterans love to help other veterans and, and especially Absolutely. transitioning service members. So thank you mm-hmm. for that. But uh, I was going to say, what's, what's next for you after post-military? Oof. You know, I'm still working on figuring that one out. Um, I've been applying to a lot of different jobs and had some interviews and I, I'm still, you know, looking for that perfect job that I want. Um, when I actually, I got about four months left. So still trying to figure exactly what that's at, that looks like, but it's amazing what other opportunities get dropped into your lap. Once you start opening yourself up, 
Um, so I will still get to mentor young women and do a lot of that. I, I actually, what people don't know about me is I minored in dance and performing arts. So I spent about 15 years as a ballerina and doing modern dance and, and uh, which just floors people's mind when they hear I work construction now, but it was a huge part of my life growing up. And my former dance instructor is still a really good friend of mine. She was really young when she opened the studio. So we're not that far apart in age. And um, she hit me up the other day and asked me to teach at their leadership series. She's trying to do a leadership series for a lot of their young students. So getting to still get back to my community that raised me because everything's virtual now, which is fantastic in a way. Um, if you're ready to embrace that, <laughs> then you can do a lot with that virtual platform. So I get to, you know, get on Zoom, meet with a lot of the young students, um, get back and do some training with them on leader, different leadership skills. Still trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to talk about, but I'm watching some of the, what some of the other professionals have provided to them. Um, writing for a blog, uh, working with Freedom Sisters Media which is another great platform if you haven't heard of them. Um, very similar to what you guys do, but it's uh, specifically targeted toward femur veterans. And we're launching a magazine in January. So the editor, uh, Carrie Jetter, uh, you know, fellow veteran and uh, National Guard and National Guard now, I believe. And she uh, has this great, you know, eye for, you know, wanting to help female veterans as well. So start launching the magazine to give resources to heal and benefit women who've been through maybe traumatic experiences or whatever that was, or maybe a great experience and you just want some further resources. Um, that's what the magazine's all about. So just finding all these doors of other organizations and things I want to do that I spent a lot of long days. There were jobs I had in the military where I didn't have time to do that stuff. So I'm really looking forward to finding a job that helps me with my work-life balance and being able to have all these other opportunities that are dropped in my lap now. That's awesome. Well, something that when you were talking about the dance, I was thinking about another uh, episode we did where Mike was, was talking about the benefits of different types of therapy. And mm. one of the things he brought up was art therapy. And when you said that, uh, that kind of made me think of that too. Um, kind of being able to tap into the creative uh, in order to kind of help, uh, you know, folk, it's, I, I just, uh, I know it's, it's weird. Like a lot of people at first, I like, I'll let Mike talk about it a little bit with the art therapy, mm. but it's crazy. Like how stuff you don't think would work does. So. Yeah. Just that, uh, when we were talking with John McCaskill and talking about the mindfulness and, mm -hmm. I, I got to reflect on going through the intrepid spirit program and, and that five week piece, but I was uh, say skeptical going into it to put it lightly. But uh, the first thing was painting the tree and <laughs> I didn't appreciate painting the tree. And then having to describe my tree was nauseating to say the least. But after that first exercise, we had to go in and paint our mask, which is on the other side of my monitor, but uh, I'll save you the, <laughs> all, the, all the listeners and the viewers to have to look at my piece of artwork but anyway but when we went in and <clears throat> excuse me started painting our mask it was it, i got lost in it you know it was it was like hour hours upon hours mm -hmm. of my mind lost painting and it was the the counselor would eventually yeah hey mike it's a uh, time to go home now uh, we're going to turn off the lights <laughs> it, you know, and I was like, "Whoa, what what happened? Where where did this hour and a half, two hours go?" So, but the the other piece was it wasn't there when I went home back to Eglin Air Force Base because there just wasn't the resources for it. So, I think it's key for folks to have that creative outlet and find that. I think it's 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 great. It's a great mental release. Uh, you know, it could be woodworking, it could be welding, it could be dance, it could be art, it could be music. It can be any of those things. It can be working out too. I mean, I think that's that's another key piece as well. But I think it also, you need to have that mental workout too that I think, you know, the creative arts and, you know, those other types of things, I think it just does uh, uh, stimulate some other parts of the brain that, that helps us as well in that in that mindfulness piece. Mm -hmm. No, it's great. And, and you're right. And a lot of people have said to me actually, hey, why don't you write? And I'm, I'm not a writer. I don't journal. But I see the value in that now as I'm taking time and things have slowed down for me a little bit that, you know, to get out what I'm feeling 
you bottle it up a little bit sometimes in the military with what you're doing, because you don't want to show emotion, maybe in that situation, or you don't want to show what's really going on in your mind, but it's important to still work through that process. And a lot of people don't, and we don't know how to do that. So getting down and just writing what I'm thinking sometimes has been something I'm trying to do more often. And it's good to go back and read it again, mm-hmm. you know, three months or six months later, kind of reflect on what you were thinking back then. And it helps put things in context later on, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that helps a lot too in your leadership journey. I, I found anyway, cause they made us yeah. do that during my master's program. And I, I was skeptic as well when I started that, but as I was going through the program, I really enjoyed that part of it. And we had to do a weekly journal and I still have them to this day, but it was great to reflect upon those and read them. And there was stuff in there about work. There was stuff in there about my family, you know, day-to-day things that were going on, but it, it's, it's nice to look back and see what you were thinking in that moment mm-hmm. and maybe how you, the strategy you employed, or maybe, maybe it failed. Maybe it did, you know, maybe it worked who knows, but it's, it's good to go back and look at those things. Mm. What are, what are, like me and you've been hitting the head so many times, you're not going to run. <laughs> so you got to keep it for the future, just so you remember later. <laughs> exactly. Crystal, what are, what are some of the things that you're worried about as you go into your transition? I am worried that I'm still going to bring this high-paced, results-driven attitude that I have because I'm very much an overachiever. And I like to do a lot of things. I like to be involved in a lot of things. But, you know, part of my reason for making this transition is to slow down a little bit and focus on my work and my life and, and that balance and, and focusing on me a little bit more and the person that I am. And I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to do that, <laughs> that I'm going to pick, you know, the next job that's going to keep me going and keep me. And I want to be challenged, but I want to be challenged and yet still have time to do all these other things I'm interested in that I've honestly let go over the past 10 years, whether that's being a part of that dance community, um, spending some time with friends and just enjoying that time and not being like, oh, you know, on to the next thing. Um, That is what I'm most concerned about. Uh, And also just, you know, not picking something that's going to slow me down so much that I get bored. But I think that's part of the beauty of it is, you know, I can change what I'm doing and I can add things or take things off my plate a little easier and maybe I could in the military where you were volunteered to do things or you're voluntold to do something. Um, and maybe it wasn't something you're passionate about and you didn't really care, but you had to do it because it was this collateral nobody wanted. Uh, so, you know, there's a little more flexibility and it, it doesn't work for me. I can let it go and I can move on to the next thing. Um, but it still, it still makes me nervous that I, you know, finding that balance, I think it makes me a little nervous. Yeah. And I, you know, I guess the, it's weird because I feel like when I talk to a lot of people who are transitioning out, it's almost like they're like, well, you know, life's pretty much over. I, I'm going to go retire or whatever. And I'm like, you don't understand. You have like the whole rest of your life after this to, to go out and, and do things like your life is not over when you get out of the military. Um, and it, it sounds like you've done a really good job of, you know, you don't tie your identity to like what you did for a living. And I, I think that's important for a lot of mm-hmm. vets too, is, is some of them just aren't able to let go of that. And they're just like, Oh, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of an issue. It's a problem. And I think it's, it's the root of a lot of problems that a lot of vets face. And it sounds like you're not going to have that issue. It sounds like, you know, you're, you're just kind of like, Hey, whatever, just what's, what's next. Let me, let me tackle the next challenge. And I, I like that. That's kind of the attitude that I had. I was like, all right, I'm, I want to go out and, and start the next chapter versus like, well, you know, it's basically over. So I, I like that attitude and, you know, I, I feel like you're going to go out and do some pretty awesome stuff even afterwards too. And so <laughs> <laughs> you see so many people. You, you see a lot of our, especially the guys that we work with, they chase the dollar figures when they, mm-hmm. when they're retiring or they're, or they're transitioning out and, and you, Trevor and I see them, you know, years down the road and they're miserable. They're absolutely, cause they're not really doing what, what they enjoy. So they're, they're killing themselves 10, 12 hours a day. And then they go home and they're miserable and mm-hmm. then they, they sleep and they rinse and repeat. And for, for what existence, you know? And it sounds like so they can get that new truck and RV and boat and Harley. 
And that's exactly. It, it, for, yeah, exactly. And, and they, and they have, and then they get in that churn where they have to keep doing that in order to pay for that new boat, that mm -hmm. new truck, and that Harley. It's so <laughs> it's exactly it's a that self licking ice cream cone. It just mm -hmm. it keeps going and going and going. It's a spiral. And I mean, it, for, from where I'm sitting, it looks like your strategy is not going that way. I mean, it sounds like you've got the right direction and the right attitude to pursue what you enjoy. And also, it looks like. You know, I, you know, like I said, Trevor has been a heck of a mentor for me and watching him do what he enjoys and getting his hands in different things. You know, he's got his hands in three or four different things. And, you know, we started doing this and, you know, he introduced me to one of his former leaders at the SEAL teams. And, you know, I, I started networking with those folks and it looks like I may have something to, to do with them, you know, after I transition. So, you know, getting my hands in three or four different things that's not mm -hmm. necessarily a full time all the time, but all of those things that I enjoy, like doing this podcast and working with those folks and you know, leadership stuff like you're doing um, that, that's something that, you know, I don't have to set my alarm clock for in the morning, not because I'm going to oversleep. It's because I, I get up in the morning and go, man, I can't wait to do this. Yeah. And then on Friday, you know, I, I got to go, Hey Mike, you need just, set this down you know it'll be there on monday you know and then i just can't wait to get after it again on monday morning and and, and that's what i think we all deep down really want we just you know and if the if the six figures come with that that's great too but mm -hmm. if not then like john stated in our last episode it's all about that peace of mind and, and having that balance and and he's found it you know he he was going the route initially, you know, corporate real estate and all those other things, you know, chasing, you know, those ambitions. And he, when he was going through the honor foundation, mm -hmm. he met with folks and really found his purpose, you know, and, and that's where he's at now. And he's absolutely killing it. You know, completely enjoys what he's doing. He's found his purpose. And, and I think you will too, with the strategy you're employing right now. And the Honor Foundation, actually, I did that program as well. And it, it helped me a lot figure out what was important to me. I highly recommend that program for anybody that's able to go through it. Um, just having my coach as well. My coach is actually, we're so close at this point that he just had a grandson and sent me a photo and was like, hey, check out my grandson. Oh, nice. Uh, but, you know, the people that they connect you with, uh, again, invested in you, really care. They appreciate the military and they want to help you. And and honestly, my coach with them, my mentor through ACP, American Corporate Partners, they've been just the best thing that could have happened to me is just having somebody in your corner saying, and maybe somebody that doesn't know anything about the military, but they're like, you know what, it's, it's fine. Like here, here's some advice. Maybe you want to think about this and, and just providing that whole new insight and they, they care about you and they want you to succeed. And so that, that coach, that mentor, whoever it is, you know, Mike, maybe it's Trevor for you, um, <laughs> just having somebody in your corner saying, hey, you know, did you think about this and you're doing fine and it's going to be fine. Take a breath here. It's really helpful. That's you brought up something that I think is a really interesting point too. a lot of, a lot of transitioning vets um, look only to other veterans for help. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's great if you can have somebody who knows about the process and everything, but, but don't discount somebody just because they're not a veteran. Like the, you need to understand like somebody who's doing coaching and stuff like that, guess what? They've been out there actually doing it in the world that you're going to, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not, you know, still, if you want somebody who's a vet to go talk to, go talk to them, but don't, you know, write somebody off as, as a potential source of great information just because they, they weren't a vet. That's, I, you know, I, I think that's kind of a, a weird thing is that the military uh, monopolizes the transition education process and it's like why 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 is that right why are we learning about how to be a civilian from the military that's probably mm. like the, the uh, worst way to go about it yeah, yeah. so I, I just i thought that was weird but uh, you know well, I found it helps. during my when i was looking at the uh transition piece about two years ago and i found it very very intimidating especially the corporate side and I put in for the defense legislative fellowship. And the mm. reason I did it because I printed out the message. I don't, re I didn't recall it ever being open for enlisted. So I was going to put it out to the chief's mess thinking, 
you know, I'll sell this to somebody, you know, I thought, well, it'd be a good opportunity for somebody. And then I thought, well, I can't sell this used car. I've never driven. I don't know anybody who's ever done this program. So the more and more I looked at it sitting on my desk, I'd highlighted some of the keynotes in there. I thought, well, you know, I tell everybody, you know, you need to stay uncomfortable. Mm. And if you stay uncomfortable, that means you're, they're, you're pursuing growth, you know? So I thought, well, I had a little bit of a, about a year where some of the EOD command master chief billets weren't lining up for me. So I thought, you know what, it's either put up or shut up here. <laughs> so I applied for it. And I, cause I, it's completely out of my wheelhouse. I have no idea. You know, I'm a bill on Capitol Hill, the schoolhouse rock. That was yeah. my, yeah, that's, that was my, I remember that. Of, yep. Yep. <laughs> that was my depth of knowledge of legislative affairs to include. I actually, when I was selected for the program, I bought Congress for dummies. <laughs> it was actually a pretty good book and a decent reference, believe it or not. But when I was selected for that program, I was forced to wear a suit and tie. Mm -hmm. And I thought anybody anybody that chooses to wear a suit and tie for a career is insane because that has to be the most uncomfortable thing ever, which I was forced. I forced myself to wear a suit and tie for a year when I worked up in the Senate mm. and I will eat my own words and say the suit and tie is more comfortable <laughs> than the camouflage uniform. I will, I will swear by it. It is a, a nice fitting suit and tie nicely made is much more comfortable in a camouflage uniform. I'll swear by it. So don't be intimidated by that. The other thing was I was intimidated by competing in that realm. Mm. You know, I didn't think I had the skill set or it, at all to compete with anybody in that, in that realm, you know, intelligence wise, leadership wise, I didn't know the vocabulary, anything, but being in that office, in that Senate office and getting to meet with constituents on a daily basis and getting to meet with even C-suite folks and program managers and project managers and all these different representatives throughout corporate America, you really, it really put some of those things at ease for me. And that was a great opportunity for me for this transition, you know, this impending transition for me. But, you know, I think folks need not to be really as intimidated of corporate America as I was, especially a couple of years ago, before I went to do the fellowship up in, up in DC. And the, the only reason I got over it was because I went up there and met with a lot of those folks mm -hmm. and was forced to wear the, the uniform of the day of the suit and tie. But that was a great introduction to it. And I think the vast majority of the people that we work with, especially in the special operations uh, community are extremely high performers and mm -hmm. they're gonna do great no matter what they do yes. outside the military. I think a lot of us suffer from imposter syndrome where we think we, we can't do it. Or we don't fit in because we know this one way of life and come to find out you probably have more skills or better skills than some individuals that are doing it. So why not try it? Yeah, that's, I absolutely agree. I, you know, I know for me that that was one of my big things that I had to, you know, getting uncomfortable with putting myself out there doing the branding marketing, making videos. Oh my God. That's, that's still something that, but even this, you know, this is part of my like pushing myself to, to do more and, and do better. And, you know, I hope the, the end result too, is it helps a lot of other people out as well. So, well, we what, have to listen to ourselves talk afterwards. After yeah. When we like, edit yes. it oh and it just God. makes you, Oh God, I can't believe I said that. Or sounds terrible. I'm already yeah. thinking back going, Oh man, did I say that correctly? I think I used the wrong word in the sentence there. <laughs> Well, let's, uh, I guess we could take it towards the positive side. What are you excited about after you get out? Oh, man. Um, spending more time with my husband and my family, to be honest. Uh, moving to Raleigh, we can get direct flights from Charlotte to uh, Des Moines, and I can see my mom and dad more often. Um, so I'm actually really excited about that, especially as they're getting older and you know want them to be more involved and getting to hang out with my, my brothers, too. My, both of my brothers are younger than me, so... Um, just being home and not missing out on major events. Um, I've been overseas for, let's see, almost five years of my eight-year career. I spent overseas in some way, shape, or form. So not with my family and not with anybody. So I'm really excited to just not miss out on things, to be, to, you know, talk to my friends and build a friend base more often and to go out and have like ladies night once a month. Like, 
can't wait for that it, with people that I consistently see and not just the forced, not really forced. You make friends with whoever you're going to, wherever you're at, but you know, the people that are right there in front of you, but you have this wide aperture now of, you know, interactions you can have and getting involved with the community and being able to build a baseline with that community. Um, very excited about that. Just staying in one place for a little bit and, and getting to meet people and, and make some lifelong friends. Nice. Well, that's, I mean, that's, you know, for me, that was kind of a big thing too. I was like, man, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with the the freedom that I have <laughs> after I get out. And so now I've, you know, I've learned to deal with it. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, when you don't have your schedule dictated to you by somebody else, it's, um, it's weird the, you know, how the, how creative you can get with, with things. So, well, when so he, make Trevor do NKO occasionally, just, <laughs> just to keep them up to date. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll have him do mine. Yeah. There you go. I, yeah. I don't mind. I, it's weird. Like when you, I'm, I'm that person that when I, when somebody doesn't tell me that I have to do it, I'll probably do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, if somebody's like, you have to do this, the, my first thought is like, why? You know, procrastinate. So I just procrastinate I have the last second. That's why there's a lot of those gray hairs there. <laughs> yeah. Is it gray or are you start, yeah, is Mike, it starting to go, Mike? I just <laughs> cut it. I just cut it short, but there's okay. a lot of gray hairs because of uh, that. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, I'm that guy in the movie where it says, don't press the button. Like, I'm going to press it. Like, I don't know why. It's just, it's in my nature to do so. So, well, what's uh, any anything in particular that you want to pursue after you get out, like uh, job wise or just passion? I know you said said you wanted to get into the, like the dancing again. Um, anybody else or that you want to work with or work for? Uh, so, I, I'm I'm looking at a few different options with with the job search. Search. I'm not sure exactly where I want it to go, but I've interviewed with a couple of companies that I'm very interested in. It's kind of more on the consulting engineering side and getting back into my roots of geotechnical and environmental engineering, which is where I started my career. Thinking, you know, ten years ago, I wanted to build water treatment plants, and of course, we didn't build a single water treatment plant when I was in the military. So, uh, <laughs> I definitely deviated. I don't want to do that today. So I don't want to be a design engineer, but uh, you still want to, you know, do something along those lines where I I go back to what I went to school for and what I really enjoyed doing at the time. Um, Looking forward to that and finding a job that helps me hone those technical skills a little bit better um, and and kind of dive in. And and we are jack of all trades, master of none. And that's fine. Uh, I think that's, that's good. It's given me a wide variety of the look at and I can my job search is huge because I, I feel like there's a lot of different things I can go into. Um, but, you know, maybe finding that little niche of what I really enjoy and really want to do um, within the engineering realm, within the construction industry is really where I'm trying to hone that skill, skill into. And so looking forward to doing that, um, you know, and then again, plugging into that community a little bit. Um, I'm also a huge coffee connoisseur. So I just, I just want to drink all the coffee and drink all the wine. Yep. So I'm really looking forward to building my wine cellar as well. You know, maybe I'll actually get that done someday. Now <laughs> that I work from home, my, my coffee consumption has increased. <laughs> <laughs> my mother just bought me an espresso machine for Christmas. My mom and dad did. And I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah. My wife just bought, bought, bought herself one for Christmas and uh, same That's thing. It's, go. it's good. I, I like it. Change it up a little bit. So <laughs> that Raleigh Durham area that you're at, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities there. I have a lot of family that live in that area and that place has just been booming in the last what, 20 years or so. Just a research yeah. triangle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Research triangle. I mean, Honda is there. My uncle, I'll show my uncle, my, my new lawnmower I bought over the summer. He's like, you know, they make it right there. I think in Greensboro or I think it's Greensboro. Yeah. 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 So, and they make the jets, the Honda jets, I believe right in that area as Hmm. well. Okay. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in Raleigh, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area. It's, it's it's expanding. It's expanding quite a bit. It's really growing and it's pretty uh, tight knit, uh, smaller. It, it feels small. Yeah. Like compared to San Diego or places I lived at that are huge metropolitan areas, but it's, it's expanding and there's a lot of opportunities actually. My brother-in-law lives down there too. And uh, he lives in Holly Springs. The mm-hmm. the town that I thought that, that appealed to me the most was uh Cary. Yeah. Just west I, of Raleigh. I know that's, that's a really nice area. And I know there's, there's just so already a lot of military there anyways, just because of 
Fort Bragg's not too far yep. away. So yep. Where, where's the best place that people can uh, look you up on social media? Uh, LinkedIn for sure. I don't, I don't even really know what's going on with my other social media profile. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, <gonna> say. <laughs> um, I'm not in that. I'm a little too old for that generation. Maybe I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. So my name's on the screen, Kristen Morris Torek, uh, PE professional engineer. You can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, if you guys have any vets you want to send my way that are transitioning right now, especially uh, women that need some help, please send them my way. I'd love to help them out, teach them a few things that are just hopefully lead them in the right direction if they're struggling a little bit. Um, and also, you know, if you, you know, anybody that's hiring that wants, you know, somebody cool over here working for them, I got you. <laughs> well, we'll definitely uh, put the word out. So Krista, thanks so much for, for coming out with it. Oh, I see you got the black rifle coffee. Mm, of course. Yeah. We need to get them one here too. <laughs> you guys are characters. Yes, they are. Yeah. Oh man, I watch their YouTube videos. They're they're awesome. Sometimes I just wonder, like, man, I I wish I I had the the time and the the wherewithal to go out and make some. Those those guys take the whole creativity thing to another level. So, yep, I'm doing I'm doing a lot of veteran support today. I got my black black rifle coffee, my born primitive um, athletic gear on. You know, because you know you only see the top, so yoga pants when you're, when you're doing the zoom calls. So born primitive gets a lot of my business these days. So yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, that's a, I, I pretty much strictly wear PT gear. All Mike was talking <laughs> about how much com- more comfortable a suit and tie is than, uh, than a BDUs. But I, I think I've got a beat because I just wear PT gear every day and Crocs. <laughs> so <laughs> you can do that. it's it's, it's your retirement Krista thanks so much for coming on the show I really enjoyed having you on here and uh, you know if you're female transitioning service members definitely look her up because I learned a lot Um, you know I I think it's just uh, it speaks a lot to her character that she goes above and beyond to to go out and help other people Um, and and, you know I, I feel like you know looking forward to helping you do that even more uh, during and, and post transition. So thanks so much, Krista. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, Mike. You guys have a good rest of your week and happy new year. Happy new year to you too. too. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the get to vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at get to vet.net. That's get the number two vet.net and let us help you get to vet.